Welcome to the Somos Church Podcast. We are so glad you're listening. This is Sergio and Beatrice, and we're the pastors here at Somos Church. We hope you feel encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. We love you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Somos. Can you tell your neighbor, I'm so glad to sit down next to you today. <laughs> We're so glad that you are here this beautiful, beautiful uh, Sunday. You came to the right Sunday. Uh, honestly, every Sunday is the right Sunday to come to Somos Church. Uh, but we're really, really glad that you are here with us. You're joining us in a really exciting season for our church community. Like my wife mentioned, we're about to turn four years old as a church community. And we're really excited about that. We're excited to see everything God has done in the past couple of years. And this next week, we're uh, going to talk a little bit about what's coming at Ahead. We're excited about the things that God has in store for us. So we're going to share some really exciting news. So you do not want to miss it. Really cool things are happening. Uh, you came also to the right Sunday because today we're ending our series, Supernatural. Can you say with me, Supernatural? This month, we have been talking about the topic of supernatural, uh, where we are, are learning and have learned how we have a supernatural God and how this supernatural God has given us a supernatural life. Your life is nothing short but a miracle, and God has given you supernatural gifts and talents and abilities. And if you missed any of the messages, you can always go back to our YouTube channel or podcast and catch up on those because they're good, good, good uh, all around. Uh, but we really believe that God has given you your story. God has given you your gifts, your abilities. Uh, in other words, God has entrusted you with you. You know, today we're talking about supernatural trust. We're talking about trust. Anyone in here, you have some trust issues? Special? No, <laughs> you're like, yeah. Isn't trust a hard thing to do? You know, we're born with innocent hearts and we give trust right away in the same way as little kids that we give trust, it's snatched back again. You know, so we're going to talk about supernatural trust. Trust is such a hard thing to do. And I want to ask you uh, if you've ever been trusted with something super valuable. Has someone ever trusted you with something super valuable? You know, a couple of years ago, uh, an uncle of mine bought a brand new car, a really cool and expensive car. So he was showing us his really cool car, you know, and all the bells and whistles inside and out and all the cool things this car could do. And out of nowhere, my uncle turns to me and he tells me, drive it. And I immediately responded, heck no. <laughs> uh, don't judge me. This car was super cool. Uh, but I was so terrified to drive this expensive car. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen something so valuable and then someone wants to trust you? I'm like, nope. Uh, and then he continued on to push me. He was like, no, drive it, drive it, drive it. And genuinely, 
I was terrified. I was nervous. I was anxious. And I was like, I'm not driving this car until finally he convinced me and I accepted to drive this car. So the moment that I get into this car, I'm nervous, I'm terrified, I'm afraid, and all of the above. And in just a moment, in an instant, as I start driving this car, I become the most responsible driver in this entire world. Like, in a second, I went from being a crazy Mexican driver, okay, to this, like, grandma driving dude. I was driving with both of my hands on the steering wheel, all front forward. Like, I was extra aware of all of my surroundings. <laughs> I was, like, looking at everything. I was terrified and anxious as I was driving this car. And I was so nervous throughout my whole time driving this car because it was super valuable. I was so thankful, right, for the honor of being trusted. But man, with that trust came this big responsibility in this huge weight that didn't allow me to fully enjoy it. But I don't know if you've ever been trusted with something, right? Maybe someone asked you to house it, someone asked you to babysit or to pet Sid uh, uh, or to take care of certain responsibilities of huge weight. And I don't know if you've ever done that, right? Something just happens to you when you're trusted with something of great value. You put on a different set of lens, don't you? You know, you know how to close the door properly, but if you're house sitting, you know, you're like, how do I close the door? You know, like, you know how to close the door, you know, but there's this weight, there's this responsibility, there's this perspective that you take on because you are being trusted of something of great value. It's a different weight that you start carrying. And today, as we're wrapping up this series, I, I want to ask you uh, a, a pretty straight up question. How, how do you handle the life that God has entrusted you to live. Your life is valuable. Your life is so important. Your story matters so much. The gifts that God has given to you. You, you have a unique set of talents, of abilities, of perspectives. You have a unique set of ways, of ideas, and the way you see the world, the way you are a problem solver. You matter and you are so important and so valuable. You're so valuable valuable that God has entrusted you with you. God has entrusted you with you. And my question today is how are you handling the responsibility of you? Are you being responsible with something, someone of great value as yourself? You know, God has entrusted you with a unique set of abilities and capabilities. God has entrusted you with your talents. God has entrusted you with the ability to produce. How are you handling this trust? God has entrusted you with time. Time is the greatest and most valuable resource on this planet Earth. Time is priceless. You cannot buy time. 
And God has entrusted you with time. God has given you time. How are you handling the responsibility of time? And as I was preparing for this, I felt this one. So I just started thinking of all the scrolling on TikTok. And I'm like, dear Lord, this is horrible. You know, like all the time that I've wasted on TikTok. Come on, don't look at me all judgy. You know, you spend hours there too. God has entrusted you with talents, with time. God has entrusted you with treasure, with finances, with resources, God has entrusted you with provision. And I know that you might not be where you want to be, but sure you're not where you should be. Sure you're not where you deserve to be. Sure God has been good to you and you have a roof on, uh, over your head and, and you have things and finances and treasure that God has entrusted you with. God has entrusted you with your marriage. God has entrusted you with relationships, with friendships. God has entrusted you with your family. God has entrusted you with your school. Yes, students, God has entrusted you with it. How are you handling the responsibility that God has given to you? Today, I want to challenge you as we go through this story. I want to challenge you uh, to, to see and hear the heart of God when it comes to this topic. I, I want you, we're going to go through a story in Matthew chapter 25. And, and as we start going through this story, I want to encourage you to lean in and hear the heart of God the Father. Okay, so this story, Matthew 25, this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus starts this story by saying this. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story. And then it goes on. And I just want to note here, right, that Jesus is giving us this picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Like, this is a big deal, okay? Like, this is Jesus giving us a sneak peek into what the kingdom of God is like. The, the reason why Jesus is saying, hey, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, is because, number one, it is important. It is the kingdom of God. It is his dominion, his authority. It is his reign. But I think it's so important that Jesus is sharing this and sharing his heart. Why? Because he wants to invite us into his kingdom. God sees us as co-laborers into his kingdom. And he sees us not only as co-laborers, but sees, he sees us as, as heirs. We are heirs of this kingdom. So Jesus is wanting for us to see the heart of the kingdom of heaven. So he chooses to do this in a really cool way by sharing this story. And this story is of a man that goes on a long trip and he calls together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. It is important for us to know that this picture, this illustration, right? This is a story about a wealthy man. 
How do I know this is a wealthy man? Because number one, he had servants. Not only one, he had three. I even believe it's more than three servants, right? Because you'll see in a bit, right? But he, he, he takes these three servants and he entrusts them with his money. Now, this story in other translations is called the story of the parable of the talents, right? So whenever you hear, you know, five bags of silver, two bags of silver, one bag of silver, each one of these bags, they're called talents. Can you say with me talents? Talents. These talents, if you've ever heard this story, you hear about these talents and you're like, okay, that's cute. You know, like this man comes and gives one talent to one, two to another, five to another, but it is important important for us to know that each one of these bags, each one of these talents, it's worth 20 years of someone's salary, okay? So this man is loaded, okay? This man has money and a lot of wealth. Like, he comes to some servants and tells him, hey, I'm going to trust you with one bag of silver that is worth 20 years of someone's salary. To put it into our day and age context, it would be around half a million dollars, okay? So each one of these bags is worth half a mil. So this is a crazy story, okay? Because this man is entrusting some servants to now be stewards of half a million dollars to one, one million dollars to another, and 2.5 millions to this last one. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this man that has abundance. And out of this crowd, he chooses three people. And out of those three people, to one, he gives five talents, to another two, to another one. If this would happen in here in El Paso, Texas, we would all be like, why does he get five and I get one? Come on, can we be a little honest, right? Like, why is he getting that? Why is he, instead of saying, thank you that I got half a mil to be trusted with, right? But this is the interesting thing, that this man gives it according to their abilities. This man sees these three servants, and he sees one of them with the abilities, with the capabilities of stewarding five to another two to another one. And I just think this is important for us to know that everything that we have, it's because God sees us. He sees our abilities. He sees our capabilities. He knows what you and I can handle. He knows what you and I can handle. And I would just want to encourage us. This is not part of the message, but this is just important for us to know that whenever you see God trusting someone with a whole lot of things, instead of getting jealous or envious or allowing comparison to kick in, when you are scrolling down your social medias and you start seeing why not me and why, and you might not say it out loud, but those seeds are there. Why not my family? I wish I had that. Okay, it's just me over here. All right, all right. I, I see you, second service. Uh, but I would want to encourage you to not allow comparison, jealousy, envy to kick into your heart. I would want to give you two things. Whenever you see someone being blessed, can I encourage you to be happy for them? 
Can, can you have something, a, a conviction in your heart that, that you can say, man, praise God for them. That's awesome that my neighbor got a new car. Praise God that he is paying now a thousand bucks a month, you know? <laughs> Thank God for the blessings of the people all around me. And this is so important, right? Because if you are not happy for others and what God entrusts for others, you're never going to be able to learn from them. And God wants for us to learn from others because if God is blessing other people and he's trusting them with more talents, it's because they have something worthy for us to learn from. They have different abilities and capabilities. And number two, so number one, get happy. Number two, just develop more abilities, okay? Because that's what God is saying. If you want more, have more abilities because that's what God wants to uh, for us to have in order for us to receive. But anyhow, that's a side note. So the servant who received the five bags of silver, we continue in verse 16, began to invest the money and then and earned five more. Now, this man comes, gives all of this money to his servants. And note that this master doesn't give any instructions at all. And that just sounds like God, right? Like, here you go, good luck. <laughs> and then he walks away. So this master comes and, and doesn't give any instructions, any expectations, spoken expectations. He just comes and gives and walks out. And so often in our lives, God has entrusted us with our story. God has entrusted us with our pain. God has entrusted us with our marriages, our families, our work environments, our school. God has entrusted us with everything that he's placed under our care and under our hands. And he trusts us. And he doesn't give us straight up instructions. He just walks away. But there is an expectation that God has over how are we going to handle what he has entrusted us with. He has an expectation. He has an expectation to see what are we going to do with that. So this servant of five invests, earned fives more. The servant with two goes on and works and earns two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account. Say with me, an account. He calls them. Remember, this is an illustration of how the kingdom of God works. So this master comes and he tells them to give them an account. God expects an account. God is going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? God is going to ask you, what did you do with your spouse that I gave to you that you prayed and you said, no one understands him, it's us against the world. And now you're complaining about them. God is going to ask, how did you handle your spouse, your marriage, your family, your finances, your job, your school? There is an account that we're going to have to give to God. This master, God, expects 
a return. He expects a return. What did you do with what was given to you? So the story continues of how they had used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Remember, this is not a small amount. This is like $2.5 million that he was trusted with. And the master calls this a small amount. There's things that God is giving to you that you feel is a lot. And God's like, I have more where that came from. So this man tells, handling this small amount. So I will now give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. It's interesting to me that these two servants that multiplied these resources, the response of the master is exactly the same. The, the response is exactly, exactly the same, word by word. Now, what this tells me is that this master, what this tells me is that our God is not interested in the amount. What he is interested is in the principle of how do we handle what he has entrusted us with. You know, if, if this was me, I would be like, dang, this one of five, you know, I gave him 2.5 mil. He's bringing another 2.5 mil. That's 5 million bucks. Like, what's up, man? You're my boy. Let's go. You know, Let, let's forget about this other one. You know, this other one, you know, he comes with one mil and he gets another mil, two mil. Like, and the response is the same. There's a big difference between 5 million and 2 million. But the response is exactly the same. Why is that? Because what the master cares about is the principle. What he cares about is the principle. So what is the principle here? The principle here, it is the responsibility that these servants have. The responsibility of, man, I've been given this. I am going to be responsible. I am going to be faithful. I am going to have vision for what God has entrusted me with. I am going to have initiative. Remember, he had no instructions. These both servants, they just were given this and the initiative, the vision, the faithfulness, the creativity, the character, the tenacity, the courage to take these finances and multiply them. What God is looking here is at the heart of these two servants that are now stewards words, right? The gratitude from them of, man, I was now a, now, I was once a servant and now I'm a steward over this. Like what, what the master is looking at is the heart that they were good stewards. What God looks at in our lives, in our hearts with what we have been entrusted with, what he looks is that if we are good stewards, 
Are we good stewards over what God has entrusted us with? Let's define steward. A steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another or others, a good manager of what has been entrusted. A manager. Are we a good manager? Are we a good steward over our marriage, over our time, over our talents, over our treasure? Are we good managers over the job he has given us, the school he has given us, the families he has given to us? God does care about what he gives you. God does care and he has an account over the things that he gives you. We love to see a God that's hippy-dippy, right? I'll, I'll, I'll just love and flow. That's why it's so important for us to read the scripture because we understand his heart. God cares about what he gives to you. And God has seen you. Hear me out. God has seen you as able and capable to sustain and multiply what you have in your hands. God has seen you as able to multiply what you have in your hands. God has seen you uh, of worthy of the things that you have. This story, and, and, and it's going to get really dark here in a second with this story and the one man that didn't multiply, right? But this story is not to bring us fear. This, this story is to encourage us to see that we're more blessed that we give ourselves credit. We're more blessed that we give God credit. And God has given everything to us and he cares about how we handle everything that he gives us. What he's given to you is so valuable. Don't minimize it. Your life, your story, everything about it, it's so valuable. The time that you have in the day and age that we're living, that everything's always on the go and distractions of many different kinds, the time that we have on our hands, it is valuable. It is important. Are we maximizing the time that we have in our hands? The talents that you have, he's given them to you. The treasure that you have, he's given to you. He cares about how we handle what you have been entrusted. He cares about how you handle your relationships. You know, the servant with the one bag of silver, verse 24, comes forward and says, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, which is an excuse, by the way, because this man wasn't harsh. A man that just comes and gives to three servants these different kinds of, it's not a harsh man. He's a man that's generous and wants to see others succeed. But these are excuses of this one, the, the servant of one bag of silver. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Now again, if this was me, I would be glad that this fool didn't just spend my money. <laughs> you know? Like, at least this guy, like, th thanks for my money back, you know? 
Like, thank God this dude didn't go and spend it on wild stuff or lost the money. This servant brought the money back. And we would call that, oh, well, that's good. You know, he was given some, he returned that back. There was no loss. But that's our earthly thinking. We're talking about a kingdom principle. We're talking about what God sees, what God cares about. God doesn't want for us to just bring back what he's given to us. He expects a return. He expects a return, and it doesn't matter what kind of return, because, you know, the master replies, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At, the bank? at least I could have gotten some interest on it. It's like, at least some interest. Like, he cares for a return. God cares for a return. God cares about how we treat our spouses. God cares about how we treat our children. God cares about how we treat our co-workers, our bosses. God cares about the little things. He expects a return. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they will have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God really cares. God really cares more than we realize. He cares so much that he saw this story of worthy of saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. God really cares but how we handle our lives. God cares about how you handle your mind and what things you allow in your mind. God cares about how you allow thoughts that destroy you of inadequacy, insufficiency, that you're not enough, that you're not worthy, that you will never be able to fill in the blank. God cares about how you handle your heart and the emotions and feelings that you allow there. God cares about how you handle everything around you. God has blessed you and he expects that those blessings would bring a return to others around you. God, God responds to us being good and faithful stewards. Some of us, we, we might ask, man, why, why am I not getting this prayer answer? God, I have asked for this and this and this. Why haven't you responded to these prayers? Could it be that you're having a limited vision of what those blessings ought to do? Because you're asking for you. And God doesn't respond to you just for you. God responds to you if you have a vision to multiply. So I would encourage you to start shifting your prayers. 
to start shifting your prayers and enlarging the vision for your prayers and those things that you're wanting because God expects a return. God expects for you to multiply the things that he places in your hands. You know, this last servant, if we can learn some things from this last servant is that this servant was full of excuses. This servant was, I believe, genuinely fearful. Man, I've been trusted with all, what am I going to do with this? How do I, I was never taught how to handle this amount of money. I was never taught how to handle a marriage, parenting, these responsibilities. I believe this servant was genuinely fearful he had excuses. The master calls him lazy and wicked, so he was lazy. There was some wickedness in him. There was some evil in him. And I just want to ask you today, if there is something stopping you, is there something stopping you from being one of the good and faithful servants? But what, what is it? Can you point at what are the things that are stopping you? from being like one of the good and faithful, faithful servants that God entrusted and they multiply. What is stopping you? Is there some fear that is stopping you? Is there some fear stopping you from taking some steps of faith? Is there some fear stopping you from coming into your marriage and just loving, encouraging, affirming, listening? Is there a fear stopping you and being an encouraging parent? Is there a fear stopping you from giving your all at work? If there's fear stopping you from just being bold in life and at school, is there fear stopping you? Are there some insecurities or insecurities or excuses stopping you from living the best life that God has available for you for multiplying? Come on, God wants for you to multiply your life, to multiply everything that he's given to you. And this is determined by how we handle what we have in our hands. These things that God wants to give to us, they, 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 they come to us and God expects us to multiply without fear, without excuses, without any hindrance. What is stopping you today? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear and timidity. God hasn't deposited within you fear of taking steps of faith, timidity to be the person that God has called you to be. God has given you a spirit of power, of love, and yes, the Bible says self-discipline. God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Can I encourage you to envision yourself as a person that multiplies whatever is placed in your hands? Everything starts with vision. The Bible says that without vision, people perish. So you need to catch a vision for your life. 
Can you catch a vision for your life of being a person that multiplies in their relationships, in your marriage? Can you envision yourself as someone that is a good and faithful steward? Can you envision yourself as that person that whenever you walk in the room, they're just lives that flows out of you everywhere consistently? So how do you multiply? If I can give you three practical points, how do you multiply? How do you become as a person that just multiplies as a good and faithful steward? Three practical things that I want to encourage you with. Three practical things for you to envision yourself. So so how, how do you multiply? Number one, you get inconvenience. You, you need to envision yourself that you're going to be inconvenienced. The, the, the most successful person that I know is not someone that is never inconvenienced. He's always inconvenienced. Successful people are not people that are just living the dream and, you know, like on the beach. They're people that are highly inconvenienced all the time. And if we want to be the kind of people that want to multiply, we need to catch a vision that we're going to be inconvenienced. It is inconvenient for you to sit down and pray when you're tired. It is inconvenient for you to hear your spouse of how their day was after you've been just really, really, really tired. It is inconvenient for you to get yourself to counseling. The, the most successful marriage that I know and that I look like and that I admire, it's a marriage that's highly inconvenient. They're okay of being inconvenienced. Inconvenienced by going to therapy, inconvenienced by paying money to get resources to better their marriage, inconvenience. So number one, if you want to multiply, you need to be okay with inconvenience. Number two, it's really similar and I believe it's practical, but it's, you need to learn to get uncomfortable. If you're seeking comfort, you're buying into the lie of the enemy. School students, it's not meant to be comfortable. Stop fighting with school. School is never going to be comfortable. It's not. All the adults in the room laughing. Marriage is not meant to be comfortable. But we want comfort. The job is not meant for it to be comfortable. And we buy into the lie of the American dream. And well, whenever I retire, talk to some retired people. They're not comfortable. Don't buy into the lie of comfort. If you want to be a good and faithful steward, get inconvenience. Get uncomfortable. Don't buy into the lie of getting comfortable. There's one, there's one, uh, that the, there's the one that brings comfort and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit jobs and assignment is to bring comfort. So the moment that we're looking for comfort elsewhere, you're taking the job of the Holy Spirit. Comfort comes from God and God alone, but in life, if you want to multiply, you need to get uncomfortable. And number three, you need to get creative. You need to get creative. How many of us have we just, we just bought into the lie that I can't, I won't, I don't know. Well, you need to get creative. 
You need to figure it out. God has given you a beautiful brain and a set of skill sets and unique thinking for you to problem solve, for you to get creative and know how you're going to restore the marriage, how you're going to go into the job and be an influence to that place instead of that place being an influence to you. You need to get creative and how you're going to handle the resources that God has given to you. God wants you to succeed. You just need to learn to get inconvenience, get uncomfortable, and you need to get creative. Stop with the excuses. Stop with the limitations. And I'm telling you this with love because we are used to just staying bound and confined like this one servant, and we hide our treasure into the ground, and it's based on fear, but you have a lot to give to this world, and it is time for you to get outside of your comfort zone and get creative and see God working in you and through you. Come on, if you want a better marriage, you need to get a vision for inconvenience, uncomfortable, and get creative. If you want better for your finances, get inconvenience. Yes, budget. Yes, stop living out of debt. Come on, if you want better for your treasure, get creative. God, how can I do what you've called me to do? If you want better for your talents and abilities, it's time to get inconvenience, uncomfortable, and get creative. If you want better for your time, if you want to do better with the life that God has given you and the time that you have left on this earth, it's time to get inconvenience and make the most out of your everyday. It's time to get uncomfortable and make the most out of your everyday. Come on, embrace today everything like God is giving it to you. Embrace it today. Everything that you have, God has given to you. How are you going to handle it? As we close in prayer, can I invite you to stand with me? I want to wrap up today with John chapter 15, verse 5. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. God is telling us today that we need Him. If we want to be the good and faithful servant that multiplies, we have to remain in Him. We have to be united with Him. There is a desperate need that God, if I want to do well in my life and I want to be a good and faithful steward. I just need you. I need you in my life. And the more that you embrace your relationship and dependency of him, the more that you will produce fruit in your life. So the more that you invite God into your marriage, into your life, into your parenting, the more that you invite God into your work environment, into your finances, into your talents, the more that you invite God in, the more that you will produce fruit. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Come on, everything that you need, you already have, and it's all found in Him. And we pray. Thank you, Jesus, that today we're able to have supernatural trust. 
because you trust us already. God, thank you that you trust us. You're asking trust, Lord, but it's easy when we know that you trust us so much. Thank you for all the things that you've placed in our hands. God, we are sorry for minimizing so many of the things that we have. God, give us creativity today. Give us the ability to be inconvenient and uncomfortable, Lord, to multiply, to change the paradigm, to change the mindsets, to change the excuses and the lies that we've bought into. God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit will fill our hearts, God, that whatever circumstances are against us won't keep us down, trapped, and fearful but give us the ability through you to rise up and to live in victory. If today you've never given your life to follow Jesus and today you recognize, I need God in my life. I understand that without him, I can't do anything. And today I need him. If that's you, can you just raise your hand up to heaven? And can you just say aloud, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you today. Today I make a decision to follow you. Come and be my Savior. Be my God. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I bless every family represented in this room, God, and I just pray that we would be able to produce much fruit. That this week, God, that we would see the opportunities more than the adversities. God, give us the ability to envision ourselves in a different light, God. Give us the right heart, the right attitude, Lord, to be good and faithful stewards over our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Family, hope you have an incredible week. Multiply your week, amen. Hey, have fun outside. There's cool things happening out there. Grab some candy and popcorn. Love you all. If you enjoyed today's message, please subscribe, like, and share. It helps more than you know. Also, if you'd like to be a part of the Somos Church giving family, you can do so today by going to somoschurch.cc slash give. Thanks so much for joining us. We're praying for you and we hope you have an amazing day.